Hi, Dr. John Coleman, Program Director um, at the University of Michigan, Vascular Surgeon and Lieutenant Colonel in the U.S. Army Reserve. You are listening to Interview with a Surgeon with the Surgeon Agent. On this episode of Interview with the Surgeon, we welcome Dr. Don Coleman, Program Director of Vascular Surgery at the University of Michigan. Dr. Coleman is also Lieutenant Colonel in the Army Reserve assigned to a forward surgery team, having deployed in 2016 and 2018 to support operations in the Middle East. She is keenly interested in physician well-being and specifically resiliency given her background in military service and surgical education. Dr. Coleman also serves as the Chair of the Society for Vascular Surgery Wellness Task Force. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining Interview with the Surgeon. Today, we welcome Dr. Don Coleman, Program Director of Vascular Surgery at University of Michigan. Doc, how are we doing today? Really, really great. Thanks. Thanks thank for you. having me. Thank you for being with us. So let's get this started. You know, what were your goals and aspirations during your residency, and how did those change throughout your fellowship? Yeah, it's a really great question. I will tell you that my goals and my aspirations seemed to change almost monthly depending on what rotation I was on. And I didn't go into my residency knowing exactly what I thought my clinical or my academic phenotype might look like. And so I really went in with the goal of getting through it successfully um, and learning as much as I could along the way. Um, and I'll suggest that over the course of my training, what you learn out of each clinical opportunity and each professional opportunity, it really matures and changes as your own um, kind of knowledge and your own expertise evolves. And so I found myself getting more out of those situations as I advanced through the program. As I advanced through the program, I also had the opportunity to meet really incredible people, influencers, mentors, role models, sponsors who helped me um, and guided me along the way. And I found that by leaving doors open and saying yes to a lot of different opportunities, I kind of ultimately found a path that's worked really well for me. So kind of taking us through that fellowship year, what was your mentality heading into your first job search and how that perspective changed in the beginning years of your career? Yeah, um, as we were talking, I will say that my first job search was my only job search. And uh, I'm not sure that going into that job search, I knew exactly what I needed. Um, I certainly don't know that I felt prepared. I thought about a few really important things. One was geographic location. Um, my spouse is from the West Coast and I'm Midwestern. And so we looked at a few very specific geographic locations. And I knew very much that I wanted to be part of a large academic vascular surgery program. And so that narrowed a little bit the programs that I looked um, at. I knew that I wanted um, a specific type um, and a specific volume clinical practice, but I also needed mentorship and infrastructure to advance some academic efforts. And so um, trying to identify facilities and programs um, and leaders that can kind of help you get all of those things, it ends up really boiling down to just a few programs. And those were the programs that I looked very carefully at. Now, in that process, did you ever consider going in private practice or were you academic focused all the way? Yeah, I've been academic focused all the way. Um, so I will say that was not uh, that was not so much on my radar and that kind of um, conflict that I see a lot of um, rising graduates um, and surgical residents navigate. That wasn't anything that I personally felt, but it is a very real uh, decision tree for a lot of people to make. And you see people make transitions even after the fact. So, um, so I acknowledge that that's a, that's a real decision point. Now, as program director, everyone has their own unique journey in how they got there. Can you please share your story? 
oh my gosh, like everything else in my life, I was in the right place at the right time. Um, I was made associate program director really early um, in my faculty uh, career here at the University of Michigan, primarily because I had an incredible mentor and role model um, by the name of John Rechtenwald, who was the program director before me. And he was uh, and still is just an incredible human, um, surgeon, educator, and constantly advocated for everybody. He kind of had this amazing way of making everybody around him better. And I directly benefited from that. And so I think he saw um, in me something that suggests that I could be helpful to him as an associate program director. And then I'll suggest that he, not surprisingly, was recruited away from us um, sooner than I would have liked to have lose, lost his partnership. Um, he left for UT Southwestern to serve as a section head um, and to assume more leadership, which made a lot of sense because he's a really excellent leader. And um, then there was a vacancy left behind. So it ended up being kind of a natural but very early transition because I was really quite young when I assumed the role of program director. And if we're being really honest, I was nervous about it because I didn't know that I had the requisite skill set to do the job effectively. Um, but John and others in the vascular surgery educational community have been really available to me and helped me in those early years uh, navigate some things. Um, but I also acquired, in fairness, a, a really complete healthy program with a good healthy culture and pretty incredible house officers. So the job was, was really easy from the beginning in that regard. Now on that mindset, what would you say were some of the keys to your success that shaped your early career as you climbed the ranks of the academic world? Um, probably a few things really specifically, and not everybody will agree, but I have a really hard time saying no. And so while I find myself sometimes overwhelmed with opportunity, by not saying no, I found myself working with a lot of really incredible people and finding opportunities that I may not have otherwise sought out. And so I think being open-minded um, and working hard has a little bit to do with that. I'll also say along the way that I've always been focused on people. And I think that really helps. I have met incredible people and I've found myself seeking out um, mentorship from others who've been really dramatic influencers on me. Um, and I intentionally sought out a group to work with that has incredible people, both from my direct leadership to the partners that I work alongside. And I think surrounding yourself with great people is the secret to success because uh, that that healthy culture and that healthy uh, community and that healthy peer support, I think facilitates your ability to do work that's impactful and rewarding um, and really um, operate from a platform where you can kind of be professionally the best version of yourself that you can be. And so I really think it boils down fully to the people I've had the, the privilege of working with and for. Now with a military background, how has that helped you in your surgical career? Uh, it helps and hurts. Uh, I would say that it's disruptive and every other year I leave and, uh, and that's hard because I spend about six to nine months preparing that I'm absent and then I spend six to nine to 12 months recovering and then I have a good year. <laughs> so uh, it's disruptive. I will say though, it has allowed me a few things. 
um, the perspective that I've gained from my um, rotations overseas, um, the ability to recenter my own gratitude every time I deploy is a big reset button for me. And I think that helps a lot. Um, I also would propose to you that again, the people that I have been able to serve alongside have impacted who I am as a person personally and professionally. And I think it's had some something to do with the leadership skills I continue to grow. I'd also say that being uncomfortable and being away from your family and um, being afraid and being in a, an environment and a situation that is not natural to what I do every day here at the University of Michigan, as an example, getting outside of your comfort zone and then having to really work effectively because you're caring for wounded warriors, essentially, like operating in that specific sphere challenges you to a different level than what I feel here um, with my civilian career. And it installs, I think, some real attributes that have been helpful for me when I think about um, just resilience and um, decision-making and other things. Now, as program director, what advice do you have for the chief residents and the fellows entering the professional job market for the first time? Uh, be really, really honest with yourself and use the people around you who know you best to help you be honest with yourself. I don't know that you can go into a job hunt and ask for the things you need if you don't know exactly what that is. And so really trying to reflect on what brings you joy and then finding that in a group is going to be so critical. And don't be distracted by, um, by packages that may be better than they seem because they may not be durable. I would find leaders and program cultures that allow you to do the things that bring you the most joy. For most of us, that's taking care of patients um, and maybe a specific subset of patients. But also as you're looking for that program, make sure that you find people that you don't mind not just that you don't mind, but that you enjoy working alongside because you are going to spend more time at work than you're going to spend time at home. As a new faculty that is going to be transitioning into an early career stage, you have to find leadership and specifically a senior surgeon who is willing to mentor you in a very safe way, meaning you cannot join a group and feel like you are competing for patients or productivity. You need to feel like you are going to be supported. And that psychological safety is really, really important, especially as you navigate for the first three years, um, a really tough transition as you manage your own complications. And at least in vascular surgery, you are going to have some devastating complications because patients are very sick and you need to be able to sit across somebody who you trust as a peer or a senior to say, I've seen that before, or I've done that before and give you some feedback that doesn't feel bad because you're gonna feel bad enough. Um, and so again, I think it circles back to people. And then I'd also just strongly encourage you to remember your value um, and advocate for yourself. And we don't get taught to do that along our training paradigm. 
And so acknowledging that you're going to bring a really valuable skill set to an institution that may cross lots of different pillars. In addition to caring for sick patients, you theoretically could be an educator, a researcher, an administrator. There are different hats that you're going to bring and wear and, um, and you'll be part of a bigger team. So find your passion and then find your people and then remember that you're valuable so you can negotiate what you need, ultimately be both happy and successful. Now with 2020 being this pandemic uh, unusual year that we're all dealing with, what advice do you have for the graduating class regarding their networking and outreaching process when they don't have the ability to meet folks like yourself at national conferences? Yeah, it's such a great question because a lot of those organic conversations just aren't happening. And so I would charge all of the rising graduates as I've charged the students who are in, approaching their virtual recruitment and really they're in the midst of it right now to outreach and be really proactive. And so if you know there's a program that you're interested in, outreach to those faculty and set up some calls and network. I think especially with the absence of active traveling and meetings, most of us are really open to meeting with people. Um, Micro-mentoring, there are really no geographic boundaries right now that limit our ability to connect over this platform. And so um, just make use of the folks that are out there willing to help. Um, I still do that as now a mid-career faculty. And there are senior surgeons that I will periodically reach out to kind of at an arm's length just to ask if they'd be willing to share advice based on kind of specific questions that I might have. And what I found is that our vascular surgery community, while it is a small community, is a really special community. Um, and because it's small, we're fairly close knit. We all really love what we do and we want to be helpful to the rising vascular surgeons um, that we're gonna see shine. So don't be afraid of outreach. Um, and the other thing I'll suggest is there are just so many different online platforms right now for connecting. I'll, um, I'll support that most of our regional and our national societies are doing a lot online. So just keep an eye out for those opportunities. I think you're going to see some growing um, opportunities for career fair type networking as well. I know the VEST is going to be hosting one of those events this month. And I anticipate that there will be a model um, that gets kind of recycled on a regular basis through the other societies in that way. And so we are really trying to find innovative ways to connect with the rising graduates and all of the, the students that we're trying to recruit and be proactive um, and be flexible and open-minded to some innovative ways to communicate. Um, but I think that for the most part, our workforce should be fairly approachable um, and uh, I just, I wish you all the best of luck because it's an uncertain time really for everybody. Um, and I, I'm sad that you have to navigate your transition in this specific way, but I'm, I'm optimistic that it also will allow us to learn some best practices and some opportunities for virtual networking connecting um, for the future. So uh, thanks for being so resilient and we're super excited to welcome a whole batch of new vascular surgeons to our workforce. And I'm obviously happy to, to interface with anybody that needs some help along the way. Now, speaking of societies, you've been doing some amazing work with them. Can you talk about your involvement with the Society for Vascular Surgery? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, so I serve as the co-chair for the Wellness Task Force, um, which seems to be uh, ironically a task force with no term limit right now <laughs> because we have a real problem on our hands. 
And it's, um, it's a leadership position that I inherited kind of by happen chance because I made probably a, a slip of a tongue during a conversation or a presentation rather to some interested students at one of our national meetings. Um, you know, four or five years later now, we're elbow deep in a lot of really important work trying to both advocate for and optimize the well-being of our vascular surgery workforce. And it's a really critical problem that we need to address urgently because our workforce specialty specifically is considered threatened, meaning there's over a 500 FTE projected gap in vascular surgical support based on projected need by the year 2025. So now is not the time to risk either recruitment or um, risk early retirement. We wanna maintain retention um, of our surgeons in our workforce. And I fear that COVID has added some additional threats that we're going to have to navigate as healthcare is so rapidly changing. Um, but most of my work with the society has been in this space with a really great co-chair named Mel Shahan and a tremendously engaged um, and um, dedicated group of vascular surgeons that really span the academic and community ranks and geographies. And we have some house officers also, both residents and fellows on our team, program directors. We've got a really diverse group of, um, of active vascular surgeons working behind the scenes to, to move forward some, some real impactful work. But at the end of the day, I think there are a lot of very high level system level challenges and changes that need to be addressed. Um, and some of that can be brought back to institutions by our own vascular surgeons, but a lot of it has to happen simply at a higher level. And, and we're trying to be a part of that, that active culture change. Now, as you know, I deal with surgeons all over the country. And when I'm dealing with female candidates, sometimes they have different pain points. So being a female in a leadership position, what advice, what obstacles did you go through that maybe you can share your knowledge or your experience with the females now and the females in the future? Oh, you didn't tell me you were gonna ask me this question. <laughs> You're sneaky, Matthew. Um, yeah, so I will say uh, whether this is right or wrong, I was probably ignorant to a lot of gender-based um, biases until I returned from my first deployment. Uh, and to be fair, I've probably faced more implicit bias and um, explicit bias uh, in the military than I have in surgery. So I will say that I've been a really, um, I've been really lucky to train in a culture where I haven't felt that my gender has impacted, um, negatively at least, my opportunity, nor has it compromised my overall professional quality of life or satisfaction. Um, I had great male and female mentors and role models at the University of Michigan as a trainee. I saw men and women do everything really well. I saw that that balance looks different for different people. Um, and I am in a group right now where I have two other female partners and we've got a 50-50 um, split between men and women trainees. And so um, I've been lucky and I acknowledge that not everybody is so lucky. Um, I have learned a lot since, um, since I have been in a leadership position. And so I will say that um, I have a focus on optimizing how all of our workforce can care for our patients collectively at the highest level. 
And what I mean by that is that our workforce needs to reflect the patients that we take care of. And to do that, we have to recruit intentionally a diverse workforce. And so I think it's important that rising vascular surgeons can see somebody that looks like them, however that looks. And some of that's gender, but there are a lot of other um, underrepresented phenotypes in academic vascular surgery. That means that it's important as a leader to, when you have the opportunity, perhaps allow others that same opportunity, turn down um, opportunities and um, propose somebody else when you're devising panels and you're thinking about how to spend your time when you're mentoring, make sure that you're being as inclusive as possible. Uh, and I do this kind of quietly behind the scenes because I think it's the right thing to do. And I intentionally identify individuals that have a reputation um, locally that are gonna do great or I've heard them speak and I can recommend them. And I think that sometimes we're so busy that when you're asked to identify somebody to do something, whether that's a leadership position or serve as a speaker or a panelist or a moderator, people pick who they know, like who's on the top of my brain. They just naturally flex. And so it ends up sometimes perpetuating the same names. Um, and I don't think that it's always malintended, probably not often malintended. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of rising younger um, faculty that can do a really great job that just need that chance. And I know people who did that for me. And so I try to do that now for others. Um, I also try to outreach and mentor as much as I can individuals who can't find that mentorship locally. And so I have a lot of students and I have a lot of um, general surgery residents and even vascular surgery residents who aren't even in the state who I connect with on a fairly regular basis because they don't necessarily have um, somebody locally that they can um, rely on or maybe they don't even have a vascular program. And so uh, I commend them for kind of reaching out um, and I, I do my best. I think that there are a lot, of, a lot of active issues right now that still need to be ironed out. Um, and we have some cultural changes that are absolutely right now well on their way, but take time. And at the end of the day, what I'd say is that I'm profoundly grateful for all of um, the women who served before me to give me the opportunity and the privilege that I have presently. When I was a general surgery resident at the SVS meetings, I don't recall seeing a lot of women. I see a lot more women now and, um, and that took effort. I'm positive that took effort. And so I've got a lot of gratitude in that space. I also have a lot of gratitude for all of the incredible male surgeons that mentored me because most of my vascular surgery mentors have been men um, and they're really good people. So uh, we've got a lot of work ahead of us um, and it does take some time, but I think things are moving along. And uh, I think if folks can keep their eye on what's best for our patients and for our trainees, um, impactful culture change will happen because it's hard not to get on board with those two specific missions. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Interview with the Surgeon. Until next time, stay focused and keep following your dreams.